All right, welcome back to another episode of Checking In or Check In with Chris Brown. I don't even remember the name myself. Uh, I've got my uh, amazing friend, mentor, coach, therapist, um, probably one of the men that's played one of the most significant roles in my life over the last year, I'd say, um, Matt Gunn, to come here today and, and talk all things. Well, the one thing I will say, a natural flow of conversation, but the the likely topics are breath work, trauma, uh, men's work, and generally uh, leaning into discomfort, which I know Matt doesn't always feel the most comfortable <laughs> in these environments. I feel like I've got a you know a job today to hold space for Matt because he's got so many gifts. He's so amazing at what he does, and he'll tell you this: he's not you're not the kind of guy that likes to be out there all of the time at all. No. But um, I I feel like. I'd love more people to experience you. I really would. Because you. you've had such a, not not only me, like so many people that I speak to that you've worked with, you had just such a profound impact on them. And I think more people need to to feel you, not just hear you, but feel you as a man and the work that you do. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah, so. thank you also for like initially noticing catching yourself before you gave a list of things that we were going to talk about, knowing how that might impact me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the likely topics. I, I, yeah, I noticed the catch. Yeah, thank you. So, Matt, um, primarily your work is really trauma informed work. Mm-hmm. I would, I'd love to start there to be honest, because I think trauma is really misunderstood. Like I misunderstood it massively before mm-hmm. I started getting into this work. Because I, I would just look at trauma as like something that would be like shock trauma, like a, yeah. an incident, a thing, an obvious like childhood abuse or sexual abuse or a car accident, PTSD, all of these things that we look at as, as trauma. Mm-hmm. Yet what I realized is that I probably had more trauma than, I, than I'd acknowledged within me mm-hmm. through all of the experiences I'd been through, even, you know, covid that period of time is massively traumatic mm-hmm. for people. Business, constant trauma. And what, I, what I've what i uncovered within myself is that it's more to do with our nervous system, how our nervous system reacts and responds to stuff. And often things that we used to be able to handle in the past, now we can't because our capacity is reduced. So what would you define, obviously having done a lot of work, like what would you really think about trauma so that people maybe start to acknowledge Mm. that within them and how it's driving them or how it's holding them back or yeah it's an interesting word isn't it because i think when when we hear the word trauma we do attach it to you know to i don't know maybe a veteran who's kind of come home from afghanistan or somebody who's experienced systematic physical emotional sexual abuse and and that's in in the way that i look at things and teach is maybe something that i would describe as a big t trauma Mm-hmm. And that's the trauma that we hear someone talking about it and we 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 can empathize and we can understand and and then when people when people kind of hear trauma and they experience it like that they're then much less likely to want to kind of apply the word to themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it really helps people to understand that trauma isn't the thing that happened to us. It isn't the event. Trauma is the energetic residue left within our tissues after the event. Mm-hmm. So 
it kind of helps to, it helps just to frame it like that. And then also to understand and to be able to differentiate between a big T trauma and a small T trauma. So a small T trauma, we're usually looking at developmental trauma. So how we are impacted um, often by relationship growing up. So developmental trauma is very much apparent within like family systems. So how our, um, how we process maybe emotionally unavailable parents, what we make it mean about us. Um, developmental trauma can be, I don't know, maybe a, um, a bullying incident at school, maybe uh, a moment when we were shamed and something happened. We had a response to it inside of our body and we lacked a safe space to be able to process that. And by process it, I mean to just be held, to, to be able to feel it, to be able to get angry, to be without judgment, to be able to cry, to be able to speak our truth, um, to energetically kind of move it through our body. We, we mm-hmm. often lacked the space and the opportunity and the people around us to be able to do that. Yeah, and there's two things that I noticed there. Obviously, um, residue left in the body. I want to come back to that. But also, I think our emotional response to things like that in childhood is often interrupted. You see a kid fall over, instantly they're picked up and, yeah. and stop crying, you'll be fine. And it's blunting their emotional experience in that moment or they get they get angry. Mm-hmm. And they try to calm the child down instead of like being with them in that experience. Mm-hmm. I personally haven't learned more about trauma. I don't think many people get out of childhood mm-hmm. without it. Yeah. Uh, I often wrestle with it as a parent because I'm like, you know, almost how, how am I going to traumatize my children rather than how do I not? Mm-hmm. What would you say as, um, I want to, I want to touch on the energy, the residue left in the body. What, what happens there in a response? We kind of contain yeah. Are we so, hold or? So normally there's an initial response. So it's kind of like a, a, we, we draw in a big gasp of breath and then we kind of contract and we often kind of like come close to stepping into our fight or fight response. So we, we might have the opportunity to, to stand up and speak our truth or to run away. But often as children, they are options that aren't available to us. Like we're vulnerable, we're small, you know, we can't leave home. We're reliant on mum and dad and, you know, for safety, for for food, for everything that we need. So our next line of defense is freeze. So we we kind of like have the impulse to fight or flight, but we we freeze. Again, it's like it's not a, a conscious choice, but it's something that we do in the moment. And in doing that, we kind of like arrest that charge in our body. So that fight or flight response becomes interrupted. And it then stays stuck in our tissues. So if you imagine kind of like over years, the accumulation of interrupted fight or flight energy from moments when we didn't express, we didn't speak our truth, you know, where we didn't run away, we didn't fight back. That is so energetically draining because our body, we're just walking around in a space of containment. We're holding on. We're trying to keep our shit together. You know, we've got this face that says, yeah, I'm absolutely, I'm fine, I'm great. But inside we're crumbling and we're dying and we're we're holding it all in. 
It's mm. really, it's really challenging and painful. I think as well, society kind of supports that containment <laughs> in many ways. Like we have conversations that really are very surface level and they don't mean anything. Yeah. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm amazing. Reality yeah. is neither, neither individual is really particularly great. Yeah. Yet the capacity to hold that for someone else is is not available. And mm -hmm. so it's just, it's reaffirming these people don't really care about me. They don't know, they don't want to know my emotional experience. They don't really care about how I actually feel. Yeah. And that's all happening unconsciously, mm -hmm. but we're just on our, on our way. We're busy, 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 always doing, never being. Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes we don't have a reference though. We don't have a reference for a safe space to be held. Mm. Maybe we didn't experience that. Yeah. Maybe at some level we, we decided that our tears weren't welcome or our anger wasn't welcome or it wasn't very manly of us. So mm -hmm. we just learn how to suppress it. You know, like if, if we didn't have that, if we didn't have that space, how can we expect to find it now? You know, like, and how, and, and, it, and it feels like a big risk, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Especially as a man mm -hmm. to be able to, like, you know, like, is it safe to bring this? And so often it feels like it's not. So men socialize, they get together and they talk shit at a surface level. Yeah. And they're like, schoolboys in adult bodies and they're talking about football and money and fighting and sex and and yet they're hurting and struggling inside and then they drink and they use and they act out they check out and then they go home and they're in many cases dying inside they've just got this pain and no one knows them and they're lonely and they're suffering and they feel alone in it mm -hmm. you know like they feel they feel hopeless because especially men don't talk about this stuff. They don't make it, they don't normalize it. You know, everyone brings their best self, quote unquote, best self. You know, the, the, everything's great. Everything's amazing. Um, and if it's not, you know, people feel as if they're, they're bringing the energy down. A burden. Yeah. I'm not going to, I don't want to be negative. Yeah. You know, like as if, as if feelings are negative, as if they're good or bad or right or wrong, you know, like they don't want to bring them. Yeah. There's two capacities here. I think, I think the capacity to be vulnerable enough to share, but also the capacity of your group mm -hmm. to be able to hold. And I think those two skills are, are lacking among men. But yeah. Like it's a, it's a weird thing connected, but so lonely. Mm -hmm. um, I played team sports all my life. And I think in football, you're in a dressing room. There's a lot of fear in that room. Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of ego. And what might look like a really unified team is actually a lot of isolation. I know I felt it anyway. Mm. You know, I'd feel so alone. I never felt part of the team at all, ever. That's probably my own uh, internal reference, but I can see how men live that way as well. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a lot of people around them, yet they feel so lonely. Mm -hmm. What would you, yeah, like, Somebody who's noticing that mm -hmm. they're feeling like something's not right. Where do you, be, where do you begin to open up? What well, do you begin to do? Like, cause I've realized we're probably at a level of, I'm so, I'm almost so vulnerable now and mm -hmm. open because mm -hmm. I've got so many people to hold that I've, I forget where I probably was. Mm -hmm. Somebody who's noticing this, maybe this, this noticing the circle isn't right. They haven't got a space to share. 
what would you recommend in that moment? I think in that moment, firstly, just acknowledging their awareness and celebrating that, you know, like I'm actually courageous enough to notice that something feels off, that I in some way feel out of alignment. I feel in pain and I could choose to do something different in this moment. I don't need to blindly follow the men of my family system or the men of this culture. And so I think maybe, I mean, I think sadly in many places, a great place to start is to, is to seek professional help. Mm-hmm. Because I think if, if our current friendship circle, if we fear that they're presently unable to hold us, then it might be that we need to sort of step into some professional support in the form of a therapist, in the form of a coach, a counsellor, um, somebody who, without judgment, has the capacity and the skills to be with us. And then in that really safe place, we can train those muscles. We can train that part of us. That we can train our vulnerability. Mm-hmm. We can... We can pendulate between like massive feelings of discomfort and vulnerability to then stepping out into safety. And so I always think that's a really great, a great place to start. You know, for some, some men are fortunate enough to be able to find a men's circle. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I mean, sometimes that can be, that can be a big step initially. If we've never had space to explore how we feel, it can feel quite a lot to bring that to a group. Because group dynamics are a whole nother thing too. So I think, I think, I think many of us, many men initially bring our early challenges to our intimate partner, Mm -hmm. which can be a blessing and a curse at the same time because it feels safe there, but sometimes it becomes very one dimensional and we, we bring everything there and it can in some way, suffocate the quality of our relationship. So, yeah, I think my my suggestion would be to mind to, would be to be mindful about that. Like don't don't bring, you know, don't bring everything there all of the time. See if you see if you can cultivate a space. See if there is one friend in your circle, somebody that you've noticed who maybe has a different quality about them and and take a risk. Yeah, You know, sometimes it isn't always about, can the person meet me exactly where I am? It's just about trying it. Mm -hmm. It's about being known, maybe being, maybe kind of taking some initiative and being a leader in that moment and saying, I really need to talk. And this is what I'm struggling with right now. Yeah. I think that's, that's important as well. And not having an expectation of that either. And just Mm -hmm. being able to lean into maybe that discomfort because what might happen in that moment is your friend might also open up and be like, I'm struggling too. (laughs) Like, and I think give them permission, don't we? Yeah. I think it's so interesting you say about your relationship and in as men, we could, we might bring that to our partner. Like you say, the part of the risk I think is that we kind of seek our mother in our, in our female partner. Absolutely. And uh, obviously that can kill any sexual polarity and mm-hmm. uh, intimacy. But yeah, I think um, my experience of professional help sometimes as well, and I think going back to early days is to almost interview therapists as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, don't just go to your doctor and get the first therapist that you get. Seek someone out. I think we've got so much available to us now through social media and podcasts and 
begin searching and seeking for something and, and maybe have a conversation with somebody to see if you resonate with them. Yeah. If you don't, then find someone else. You don't have to go to the first therapist that you see. You don't. And and I think it's important as well. We can get a bit lost, can't we? Like, mm-hmm. who am I looking for? What's what, you know, what, what type of therapist is this? What does he or she specialize in? And actually in my experience, first and foremost, relationship is everything. Mm-hmm. Like, safety and relationship are the pillars of great therapy of great coaching you know like if you if you're sat opposite someone either virtually or in person and you feel at ease and safe in your own body then that's a great start you know like so note being able to sort of notice that like does this person make me feel safe yeah you how know, would you internalize that? Like, how would you, how would, how would I know? Yeah. That? Because some people don't have even that bodily awareness to be yeah. able to go, Oh, I feel safe here. I feel uncomfortable. Or I think I would encourage people to, yeah, notice how they're holding themselves. Notice how they're breathing. Notice tension in their body. Notice like whether they're like, sitting forward, whether they're tensing their stomach, tensing their jaw. I feel like if we just take a breath ourselves and, and slow down for a moment, we know when we're comfortable and when we're not. Yeah. You know, like, and, and, and we can, we're so much wiser at the level of our body than we believe. So just taking a moment and asking ourselves the question, do I feel safe? Do I feel comfortable? Can I feel my body? You know, like just taking a moment to check in and if, like trusting intuition, trusting gut. Like, does this feel right? Mm-hmm. Ask your body. You know, like it sounds a bit, it sounds potentially a bit woo-woo, but it works. Does this feel right in my body? Mm-hmm. Does this feel like a relationship that I could step further and further into? Does this person make me feel safe enough to tell them things that maybe I've never told anybody? Yeah. So safety and relationship are the the absolute priority and pillars. Yeah, I think that's, um, it's actually true in the sense of if you take a moment and you put your phone out the way, you get rid of distraction and you sit with yourself, you close your eyes, take a few deep breaths into the belly, you'll begin to notice what you feel. Mm -hmm. Um, I think guiding people through breath, and I know you've done this too, who are really skeptical, they're really I had a guy say the other day, he was like, I feel like I've had my first spiritual experience ever. Mm-hmm. And all that really is, is just coming inward and taking your gaze off the outside world and coming inward and taking a few breaths. And I think it's available to us all. Mm-hmm. It's a skill more than anything. I know through the work that I've done with you, like I, I remember you said to me the first time, you, well, you didn't say me at the time, but it was like, when you first met me, I was so rigid. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was rigid at all at the time. But now when I think about myself now today and where I communicate from, it's far different. I remember one distinct thing, actually. One of our second sessions together, I think we were kind of walking up the stairs and planet, mm-hmm. you know, how are you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm stressed, but I'm all good. And you're like, all good. I'm, yeah, I'm dubious of all good. I'm skeptical yeah. of that. And that made me realize how my communication was coming from, uh, a place of, of overriding what I was actually feeling mm-hmm. from the head, not the body. And that, that was really, that changed everything for me that moment. Cause when we sat down, you were like, close your, like, how are you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. That was such an instant response. You're like, close your eyes, take a moment, like actually go in with ask yourself, 
and now my interactions are being driven from that place. Like when I'm having a conversation, I'm slowing things down. I'm actually noticing what I feel. Mm -hmm. I'm communicating from that place. It's a skill. It, it takes practice. But like you say, it's just, you know, finding, finding safety within your own body. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. And you might not, it does sound woo woo and it does sound esoteric. It does sound out there if it's the first time you've heard that concept, but almost every person that I've guided through that can find it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like you giving a real world example of your own, of our own mm. interaction and relationship. And so for me as, you know, as a therapist, but also just as a, as a man, there was this, this intrigue. Like I wanted to know who the man was underneath the armor. Mm -hmm. You know, like, because yeah. I could feel you. I felt there was something more than, than what you brought to me. So then there was this kind of curiosity and this intrigue, which, yeah, just came from this place of really wanting to know you, to know more, you know, like to, to feel. And then, and then equally maybe to give you permission to notice what it feels like in your body and to know that you are more than the story. Like mm -hmm. you're more than the, you're more than your intelligence. Because I think the thing that really struck me was that you, you were, you, you are super intelligent and sharp and you're, there's safety in that. And that was, that was my initial response was I felt, I felt the intensity of your intelligence. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I felt, I felt your armor. And, and it was like, the, the, there was the human in me wanted to like <laughs> yeah. feel what was underneath the armor. It's so funny when you're saying that, because I do know, I, I know like that's where my recognition comes from. That's where probably my love and admiration would come from is my yeah. intellect. And so it's very safe for me to stay there. Yeah. And yet you've got a really beautiful heart. Yeah. And, 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 and a vulnerability, which, which is just as significant if not more so than than that and and it's like understanding the the driver behind the intelligence that that desire to in some way create safety and and certainty like if i can just understand it if i can just work it out or find a solution to it mm -hmm. then i'm okay then yeah. i'm wanted then i'm safe then there's a then i then i'm needed mhm mm like people need this and maybe this bit because there was never a reference or because it maybe never felt welcome. It's like, well, I'll just disconnect from this and this. Yeah. This is good. I think this will help people using me as a, as an example here because yeah, I mean, I, my entire life has been constructed this way as a consultant, as a coach, as a, you know, as a mentor, my value has always been here, my ability to prob problem solve at the intellect. Mm -hmm. But actually over the last year, the value that I bring as a coach has been my embodiment, yeah. my ability to be with that person and actually notice what they're experiencing mm -hmm. in this moment mm -hmm. and not trying to fix without understanding, not trying to give advice without feeling that person. Yeah, it's like there's now an alignment of kind of head, heart and guts. Mm. You know, like, and, and, and that's, that's a, that's a something that's, I can feel energetically, like a, a definitely a slowing down and, and a presence. And, and I think, I think it's really liberating to be able to 
reconnect to parts of ourselves that we've disconnected from. You know, like that that essentially is is a big piece of of shadow work of discovering and and embracing the parts of ourselves that we've discarded or or, or disconnected from or, or maybe in some way thought that weren't helpful or lovable. And yeah. you know, I think many of us struggle living in our head. You know, like that and and I guess one of the reasons I recognized it was because I knew it in me. Mm-hmm. Like I knew that I spent probably from my early teenage years to my thirties completely in my head, completely in strategy defense, <laughs> yeah. like grasping at anything that would create a sense of certainty and safety, mm-hmm. which was a, a fight that I could never win. Never. I fucking tried my best and it's, it's exhausting. And you're only really bringing this tiny part of you into the world and into relationship. And there's so much more, so much more freedom and peace and wisdom in our body. You know, like it's like a prison cell up here. Yep. And and so like, I, I love that idea of, of, of this. I mean, I even go as far as to say like head, heart, guts and soul. Mm-hmm. You know, like when we can be there and, and move between all of those parts um it's a real gift it's really it's it's really powerful to bring all of us into the world and into relationship yeah it's um i'm it's so funny as you're saying that and my my structure of defense was so strong that i would i mean danielle would call me you know partner my wife separated from but she would she would say I'm like a politician mm. right we'd have an argument <laughs> <laughs> and um I just wrap people up in in logic and intellect yeah. yeah and I used to my my language constructs growing up was like I know for a fact I know for a fact and I used to I used to say things like that yeah and ultimately what I was doing was I was using my intellect to avoid feeling what I was feeling mm-hmm. maybe somebody called me out on something and I didn't want to admit that actually there was some truth in that. Mm-hmm. My like trigger would be so fast. It'd be like, boom, right. That's it. I mean, brain would engage and I'd be so defensive or like I'd have a, a really difficult conversation and I would be deflecting, defending, fighting back, arguing instead of actually going, you know what? There's like, there's a lot of truth in that. Mm-hmm. It really actually makes me feel so uncomfortable knowing that there's actually a lot of truth in that. And my behaviors may be being out of alignment or it's hurt you or it's, mm-hmm. and it's so much more liberating and free. Like you say, like it takes so much energy to de- keep defending. And sometimes you just got to notice that and, and drop in and be like, yeah, like I, I feel that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think yeah the, the, that moment. The, actually, I have like three distinct memories with you that I think have like been really pinpointed. That day that I walked into the the mansphere when you were you were just staring some cacao, <laughs> and you just looked over like <laughs> you shook my hand and gave me a hug. I think that was probably the moment you realized like it was quite rigid. Yeah, I think the hug the hug gave it away actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
so strange. I don't, I don't see it. Like I'm even defending myself in that moment. Now I'm like, ah, <laughs> didn't see myself that way. That day was that, that day was really powerful. I think that was the really the beginning of like cracking me open that mm. day. Then definitely it was probably within close succession that day walking up the stairs in planet where you were like, I'm all good, dubious. And then, then the third time we sat opposite each other and you're, how do you feel? And I was still communicating from that intellect and then just like, yeah, taking a moment from a body. Since th those three things combined have really allowed me to communicate from a felt sense mm -hmm. and not like being able to notice like what's going on in my head, but also what am I feeling? Mm -hmm. We were just talking before this about, um, you know, being so disconnected from the story that you just have feelings. Or being so connected to the story that you're not actually acknowledging what you feel. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a healthy balance between sure. maybe both of them, right? Absolutely. Like there are things going on in our lives that that are real and that are yeah. true. And no matter whether it's story or how we perceive it, I think we've got to honor the story and honor the feeling and kind of merge those things together. Cause I also notice people that are like, yeah, everything's amazing. It's like, yeah. or it's like they'll go, I've got this challenge, but it's but it's fine, it's good. Everything's yeah. okay. Yeah, for sure. And it's almost the second that they feel that thing or they feel a touch against that challenge, they have to deflect it or they have to defend it or they have to override it. And that's mm. definitely where I was at. I wouldn't admit that maybe I felt a little bit of depression or that I felt a little bit of sadness or I felt overwhelmed. I'd have to, this mask of perfection on all of the time. Yeah, it's painful, isn't it? It's lo like It's lonely. A, a mask of perfection is extremely lonely because no one knows. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think as men particularly, we we really struggle with that. You know, we struggle, we feel alone because we fear that unless we are perfect and we've got our shit together and we're positive, then no one will want to know. You know, like, so there's this big core wound around being abandoned and being alone. Yeah. And I feel like we operate from there. Do you feel so, like that builds lone wolf kind of syndrome? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it, it, absolutely. And, and, and I think, you know, this gets talked about and spoken about all the time on podcasts and on social media, but th there's a reason why men struggle the way that they do and why more men are sleeping on the streets, more men are in prison, more men are suffering with all the various addictions and eventually are sadly taking their own lives. And it's it, like, so much of it is that it's just this hopeless feeling of being alone and misunderstood because there's, they don't feel safe enough to bring their tenderness and their vulnerability. And it lives within all of us. It's really, it's, it's that, like, that's the edge, the edge of life. Like we know we're truly alive when we feel the intensity of ourself and yet we can still be in relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think like we, we spoke about this just before, before we started of like my discomfort of doing stuff like this. Yeah. And, um, feeling where that lives in my body, like feeling hot, feeling <laughs> like sweaty palms. <laughs> and then, and like, and, and for, a, for a moment going into story, mm -hmm. you know, like, so having a, my own little mini process of, you know, which started probably 
when you asked me to do it actually and then intensified a little bit last night and again this morning and I've kind of got two options with that I either sit with it and fester and feel really alone and mm. and really agitated or I choose to bring it into relationship I choose to bust myself and say do you know what Chris I find this really hard mm -hmm. I find um I find an element of limelight challenging. I have a self-imposed pressure sometimes from a good intention, but a, a, a pressure nonetheless to in some way say the right thing, to some way appear in this space as if I've totally got my shit together. Mm. And the reality is, is that I haven't. Mm -hmm. That I am, I'm very much a work in progress. And there's a, a liberation in being able to share that, you know, like in being able to, even in an environment like this, to play with our imperfections and our humanness. So to like feel, feel the sensations in our body, but stay in relationship with them because then we've got company. Mm -hmm. Then we get to co-regulate. So I get to be with you in relationship, in my discomfort. Mm -hmm. I feel, I feel known. I feel less alone. And then all of a sudden my nervous system starts to relax. My breath deepens. I feel safe again. I feel in my body. And I think it kind of circles back a little bit to like, what do we do when we're struggling? You know, we, we, we find somewhere safe to be known. And, and that's, that is so crucial. Like that's so much at the core of our struggle is our, is our belief that we are separate, that we're the only one that struggles with these things. Yeah. And we're not. Yeah. It creates, creates lack and separation and scarcity and fear. But um, coming back to what you were saying about moving energy through the body as well, by just narrating that and, and explaining it, exploring it, being with it in conversation, you notice it just relaxes out of you. Yeah, for sure. You take the power away from it. And yeah, you know, like I... I I live and breathe this stuff, but I, I, I live and breathe it because of my own struggles mm -hmm. and, and, and the, my own story that I bring into this place. And I think, you know, I like what you said before about the balance between like story and felt sense, because I feel like our story is hugely important. You know, mm -hmm. like it's something to be honored. It happened, you know, like that it, it shaped the man or the woman that we are today. And yet it needn't define us and it needn't, we needn't be driven by the pain and the wounds from our past. And that, that then I think is where our ability to feel sensations and feelings without needing to understand them, without needing to attach a story to them is so empowering. Mm -hmm. And equally it brings for much richer connection because like I'm in touch with what I feel like rather than what my head's telling me. Because my head, you know, if, for example, I let it, could could send me into a panic attack almost instantaneously. <laughs> yeah. Like easily, all day long. You know, like it, could, it, like it could have me wanting to run out of the door. Wanting to, you know, like needing space, needing to pause. Um, because I feel, oh my God, someone's going to misunderstand you. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to have a judgment about you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, again, it's that thing. It's like, like everyone, I, I want to be wanted. I want to be loved. I don't want to be abandoned. And so 
if I listen to my voice and I don't stay connected to my body, it will absolutely run away with me. And then I'll feel alone mm -hmm. and, and I'll feel misunderstood. Yeah. And the thing that you're avoiding, you actually find more of, which is sure. very strange, isn't it? Like, yeah. I, I don't want to do this because I will feel like this, but yeah. then by avoiding doing it, you end up yeah. feeling it 10 I'm times over. It. Yeah. I'm stuck in it and, it and it doesn't get to move through me and I don't process it. Mm -hmm. So then I spend my life running away from it. Like I find clever ways to disconnect from it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's like living, living around and within the frequency of addiction, which we, we also talked a bit about before. Yeah. And, and the fact that I think the majority of us have addiction of some description, I'm pretty convinced if you were to sit and look at your behavior and, and tuned into yourself and ask yourself what, where it's driven from, we'd find elements of addiction in all of us, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and where we, we touched on uh, addictive substances and people say that's addictive or that's not addictive or, yeah. and it's not really about the thing, like it can be anything, you know, work. What, is, is work addictive or not addictive? Mm -hmm. Is it a, is work an addictive substance? No, like mm -hmm. our relationship to work and what we get from it, what it makes us feel or what it makes us avoid feeling yeah. is where the addiction is born. Yeah. Very easy for a man to stay at work and, and not for honor sure. his relationship at home and very easy to get a lot of love and praise in their work, yet when they come home, they get a lot of shit and mm -hmm. stuff they've got to deal with. So their addiction could be the avoidance of dealing with yeah, the discomfort sure. at home or the addiction could be the recognition that they get. You know, for me, I was saying briefly, I'd create a video or put a post up and I'd be refreshing my Facebook feed to see if there was any love or acknowledgement on that. The yeah. feeding and fuel and that, that need to be accepted, that need to be honored, that need to be valued. Yeah. Cause if you didn't feel it in yourself, then you would absolutely seek it externally mm. in any way that you can. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing with technology and social media is like we, it's just, a, it, it's a space to be able to like, probably in a shadowy way, feel into that, mm -hmm. you know, like, and, and, and to try to fill this void that can't be filled externally. Yeah. So I, like, yeah, it, it, it's, it's not, it, I think it's a, it's a Jamie wheel quote. So it's, and it's a great way to look at addiction and it's, it's, it's not the thing, it's our relationship to the thing. Mm -hmm. So be it all be, you know, that could be the substance. It could be the, it could be the distraction in work. It could be exercise. It could be sex. It could be gambling. It's like, it, it doesn't matter. Essentially we're utilizing something to disconnect from ourselves, to disconnect from discomfort and pain. And we're, we're running from it. And I guess that, the the harder we try to run, the more stimulant the stimulus we need to disconnect. And it also, um, you know, the it's it's kind of like the outsourcing of something to something else. For sure. Like we're trying to get something from somewhere other than in ourselves. And like you say, it's a void that you can never be filled. It's a it's a black hole. It's a vortex that will just keep sucking and and draining. And then, like you say, the stimulus needs to be more. Mm -hmm. You get a hundred likes on a, a, a photograph. It no longer does. Doesn't no longer does it for you. Yeah. yeah. Now, now you need a thousand likes. Now you need 5,000 likes. Or you, you make 
10 grand a month, you need to make 20 or 30 or 50 or that, you know, a hundred thousand a month. And if you're not, then what's your measure as a man or, a, you yeah. know, as a, as a person of influence in the world? I remember <clears throat> having, I remember sending you messages probably six months ago, like, when the fuck is this going to end? Like, when is this, <laughs> this please, when is this going to stop? Like the feeling of just being in the mush. Mm -hmm. and I think it's because when, when you stop running from stuff and you, you start actually being with it, the discomfort is, is very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But once you have the awareness of, of who you are as a, as a human, it's very hard to ignore anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's almost as if the strategies no longer work. They become less fun. Mm. You know, like when you know why you're doing it, it's shit all of a sudden, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, ah. Oh. So not only now am I experiencing the shame of doing that thing, it doesn't fucking work anymore. Mm -hmm. Or I need more of it. Or the experience after it is so shame and guilt ridden. It's like almost disgusting. Mm -hmm. You know, like when we know, like, it's just that thing is like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do it. Today, I will not do that thing. Yep. Today, I will not eat that, do that, do this, do that. And and then we feel that that, that discomfort inside. Mm -hmm. And then before we know it, we've done it. We're in yep. it. You know, whether it's the first mouthful, whether it's the first line, clicking on Pornhub, it's like we're in. You know, you, before you know it, you are in. And then, and then you're out of the other side feeling more empty and more alone and more disconnected. Yeah. And it, then the cycle continues. It's the thing that I can, that I can describe it as personally, having had that experience. I'll use porn as an example. It's like in the, I gave up porn like two years ago for this reason. It was, it was a, I'd notice I might be stressed at work. Or I'd have so much going on. There might be tension at home or like all of these things. And momentarily you get this little release mm -hmm. followed by more intense feelings than before and in your head you're like i'm not going to do that not going to do that but your body's like being every time you're saying that your body's being pulled towards it yeah and almost the the urge and the impulse is so strong that you have no control over it no not consciously anyway and um like you say then it comes down to the the self-judgment that follows that i fucking why can't i stop yeah you know and, it, and, and it's a quiet you know porn in particular is is a secret quiet addiction mm that we can sort of manage and maintain without anyone knowing. Yeah, because it's never done in in groups or public. And, and it's less destructive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when someone's maybe got, you know, a severe drinking problem or they're, you know, they're using crack or heroin, generally speaking, their life falls apart mm -hmm. quite quickly. It's, mm -hmm. it's obvious from the outside. Whereas maybe when people are struggling with issues relating to eating and food or with things like pornography, it's it's secretive. You know, mm -hmm. like you can do it and you can highly function and yet be really, really struggling with so much shame around what you're doing. Um, and then kind of energetically carrying that shame out into the world with you wherever you go. And, you know, the things, the things with things like porn, things like food is like, it's always there. It's always available. It will never let you down. It will never abandon you. It will never reject you. Mm. So we talk about the importance of connection in this work. And yet there's a risk, isn't there? Like the, the, I have to take a huge risk. When I step into a relationship and allow you to know me, I'm taking a risk. Yep. Whereas if I'm looking at porn or if I'm 
I'm eating something or drinking something to to numb out or check out. It's, it's just, it's reliable, it's there. Yes, it's it's going to maybe give me a moment of distraction, but then after that, like you said, all, all of the inward experiences are going to intensify. And sometimes you don't have like a logical, rational uh, narrative of that either. Like you might be feeling it under the surface. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I mean, I put on my Instagram, maybe eight months ago, I started speaking about the fact that I give on a porn and the amount of messages that I got from men was like, what do you, what do, you do? Yeah. Well, I don't watch porn and wank, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't. And um, it's a hard concept for men to grasp because yeah. they don't deem it as damaging or they don't deem it as problematic. And maybe it's not. Mm-hmm. But my experience tells me that it is. And, and my experience with other people opening up to me and like I've given it up too, my life is better without it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and again, it may be some people can dip in and out of it. Mm. Like maybe they can like very, very occasionally experience it, but that generally doesn't happen. Mm. Like it's generally something that's happen happening daily, multiple times a day. Yeah. And it's a crutch, you know, like it, it it's, I mean, look, this is a subject we could we could talk all day about, but I think the energetics of consuming pornography, you know, like there's an element of the consumption of trauma. Like we're, we're, we're being drawn into this device and we are energetically consuming trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many sadly traumatized people working in that industry. There's so much pain in that industry and we are kind of like objectifying them for our own needs. Yeah. And I feel like if, even if we're unconscious of that, we are energetically bringing that out into the world and we're feeling that. And I think that many men, if they're honest with themselves, they, they, they do live with shame. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of who they are and how they feel. And it's one of the main things that they are running away from. Yeah. So I think, I think there's a, there's, there's a lot to be said for, abstaining from porn and just 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 out of curiosity and mm. noticing how you feel yeah noticing how dependent you are on it and if you feel any discomfort about avoiding it then you know you have you have an issue with it for sure i would also challenge people to note how you feel immediately after ejaculation having watched porn yeah like that that wasn't an awareness that i had but as i started to bring awareness into that moment i'm like yeah like that doesn't it doesn't do anything for me it's it's empty it's like mm-hmm. there's a an underlying feeling of shame yeah well everything kind of rushes back into your awareness again mm. all the stuff that you in that moment trying to avoid is is it's still here waiting for you yeah it's like well, yeah, exactly. I'm back, yeah, okay, I'm back. yeah finished yeah because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, i'm here and i'm louder now mm. and yeah. i'm going to add another layer of shame because of what you've just done yeah and, and joe rogan actually had a, um, a comedy sketch around this which i think was was brilliant and he was like you know talking about men masturbating, whatever. And then the second you blow your load all over your belly, you look down at yourself and you're gross and you're horrible. And you, you look at yourself like, who am I? Like yeah. this shameful, like, Oh yeah. For sure. <laughs> like, totally, yeah. yeah. And, um, I think when you can bring comedy element to it and, and that's the narrative of it, then it's obviously some, there's some truth in that. Cause the, the funny part of it is, is that, that you can relate to it. Yeah. You can relate to it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's whatever your views on it, 
like if it's something that that's in your life on a regular basis, I'd just invite kind of curiosity into mm. the relationship, you know, like, and, and just experimenting with some space from it, you know, like, and seeing what you feel like and seeing how you interact differently. You know, if you're in an intimate relationship, how you interact differently with your partner. If you're not in a relationship, how you interact with with other people, with other, you know, people that, that you would otherwise be drawn to. Like, like, are you able to look people in the eyes, for example? Mm. You know, because again, like when people are over consuming pornography, they're sexualizing everyone. Yep. They're almost, that they'll see someone in the street and they are undressing them and almost creating a porn scene in their mind because... That's what they do. Like, and, and if you imagine, sadly, most boys learn about sex through porn. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that's the reality. And certainly now more than ever with the advent of, you know, high-speed internet of every teenage boy's got a phone. Well, that's, that's what they're learning. God so their VR. experience with sex is all prefrontal cortex-based. It's all visual. It's all fantasy-based visual friction, holding your breath, being quiet. And then sadly, they then translate that into the bedroom mm-hmm. and they bring that to their lover. And again, like they, 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 they then often, cause you said before about kind of ejaculating after watching porn. But if you, if you're making love, like you watch porn, mm-hmm. then you'll also feel empty too, because you're completely disconnected yeah. and it's not your fault because it's like, that's how you've learned to be with you've yourself. You've taught your body to be that way. 100%. And yeah. how many times have you done that? And how many times has that been the way that the only way that you've known how to soothe yourself, the only way you've dealt with anxiety, the only way that you could get yourself to sleep at night? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the, that's the reality of it. We can, we can shame men all day long and we really shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like this is a, this is something that they utilize in the absence of, genuine safe connection you know like that's it's it's really sad but that's the reality and and i feel i feel so strongly about supporting like young people to young boys to explore just to just to explore their thoughts on porn and and to to be able to understand how it can impact them within relationship yeah like how disconnected it makes them from their partner from their own body from their ability to receive pleasure. You know, you, we, we talked about the felt sense, but if the only way that you know how to reach an orgasm is by fantasizing, by closing your eyes, then you're missing out on sensation mm-hmm. and touch and, 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 and in, you know, like, and breath and all of the amazing things that can intensify that experience and actually leave you feeling whole rather than empty and connected, which is huge. Well, I can resonate with all of that. You know, it was a very much a goal-driven experience for me. It was like, it's all about just mission to the to the end point. And unfortunately, unfortunately for men, the problem is compounded that the feminine beings of the world feel what we feel like times 10. Yeah. So if they, if they don't feel our heart and they know that we're checked out and that we're in our head, not in our body, not in the moment, we're not present, we're... Am I doing it right? Is it, you know, is this good for them? Da, 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 all this narrative is just, you, you're not present in the moment. They'll feel that. Mm-hmm. And gradually they'll disconnect from it because you're not honoring their heart. You're not honoring their body. You're not present with them. You're not holding their intense and amazing energy. Yeah. 
And you're not creating, you're not creating safety because there's no presence. Exactly. You're you're not in your body. Yeah. You're just not, you're in, you are in pure fantasy and in your mind. Yeah. Which Uh, compounds and causes other problems too. For sure. It's a, I honestly think it's it's a bigger problem in relationship than people would actually even acknowledge. And hopefully this dialogue around it has made people open up. Mm-hmm. And like you say, you know, take time away from it. If you if you don't if you truly don't think that you have a problem with pornography or a substance, take time away from it. Or talk about it and see how you feel. Yeah. You know, if you're in a relationship consider what it might be like to talk to your partner about it yeah i used to i didn't talk about it yeah be like yeah imagine bringing that up yeah i I watch porn three times a day yeah how do you feel about that (laughs) yeah 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 and and again it's like this is the struggle isn't it with porn because i think sadly you know we we fear being labeled don't we you know Mm. we fear being described as a perv or, or, you know, like, or something, you know, like, so we don't talk about it. We definitely don't talk to our partners about it. We don't talk to our friends about it. And again, it's something else that we keep secret and, and, and secrets kill us. It's like sexual taboo. Yeah. Yeah. And, And then where else are you withholding? You know, if you're not able to talk about that because you deem it as, as shameful as there's other parts of sexual connection and intimacy that you're probably not raising and bringing up. Mm -hmm. There's more depth available to all of us. Yeah, that's been a you know big big journey of mine. It's been probably the biggest the two years the the separation relationship breakdown really has forced me to go in and and look at all of the areas of my like the way in which I was relating in conversation intimately my defensiveness mm-hmm. my un- inability to to be in an uncomfortable conversation without reacting. I think a nice little transition here is to, to really my understanding is nervous system kind of regulation, but also capa- like building capacity in my nervous system has been the biggest part of my work over the last year and a half or so. I think that's what's so beautiful about the breath. It gives you the ability to like really deepen your nervous system to deal with things. There are things that I would never speak about I would never have this conversation two years ago mm-hmm. about pornography or like fact that, yeah, I was probably addicted to it. In fact, it's been a huge part of my life and since, since I was young. My own work on my own nervous system allows me to bring these topics to the surface to give other people permission to speak about it or at least not even speak about it, but just to, to bring it to awareness. Yeah, completely. And, and I think it... Like it all relates back to what we started the conversation with trauma, Mm. you know, like often our trauma, our unresolved trauma, often our developmental trauma is what drives our relationship towards these things is what drives our relationship towards something like porn, you know, like, and then, so it's, it's infused in all that we do and how we show up in the world. So that when, you know, again, it's like, what, why do we live in our heads? Well, because our body is kind of like an archive of all of the experiences that we've mm-hmm. ever had. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, like the feelings, the responses, the impulses, the moments. Like our mind 
is a bit like, I, I kind of think of our mind as like a, a video library. Like we can picture moments and certain snapshots, but our body remembers the feelings. It remembers, it remembers everything. So mm-hmm. we, we very quickly learn how to become disconnected from it, you know, on an unconscious level. And, and we spend our life up here. Disassociation. Totally disassociated, yeah. you know, and, you know, and a way I like to describe it is almost as if there's a, there's a, a brick wall, you know, like from our chin down. And here we, we're, we're in strategy, we're in defense, we're in the past and in the future. We're everywhere other than here in this moment. Mm-hmm. Because in this moment, there might be pain and there might be discomfort and there might be shame and anger. And these are all parts of ourselves that we haven't yet learned to become intimate with. So we, we disconnect, we become addicted. You know, like, and we and we run, and it's it's exhausting and it's lonely. Well, the, the, you know, the feelings of anger or frustration, which aren't often welcomed into the world. Then you've got the feeling of shame and guilt, which you don't want to bring to the world. And so you've got this this strategizing, like you say, to to project something other than what you're actually feeling. Yeah. But like you say, for anybody that's conscious or aware. They feel that, mm-hmm. or they they feel the lack of it. Yeah. Somebody reached out to me once on on Facebook, and it tr- it really triggered me. And he sent me a message saying, "I watched your videos, and what you are saying is amazing. You have so much capability and potential, but <laughs> I don't quite feel what you're saying." Mm-hmm. It's like, I help people like you, you know, connect your message to more people. Mm -hmm. And it really fucking frustrated me at the time because I actually knew there was an element of that where I was speaking from logic, but not from heart. Mm -hmm. And I actually ignored him. I didn't even reply to him. I wasn't ready to accept it because I felt like for a long time, you know, being a content creator, being somebody that's out there creating stuff. There was like something missing. Yeah. And it was that. It was like, it was, it was creating from the heart, a, a, from the head, a projection from the head, from the mind. But I wasn't transmitting that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big, you know, I, I think if we look at ourselves like a an energetic antenna, the transmission is the the feeling that's behind the words and the alignment behind the words. Yeah. And and also I think like in relationship, we don't just want the polished bits. Mm. In fact, we yearn for, we yearn for all of the bits, you know, like so often if maybe we've been someone who suppressed anger, what we tend to notice is that those that love us are are like quietly cheering for it. Like show us that, bring that part. Like we want it, you know, like we, we feel, even if we, we can't intellectualize it, at the level of our body, we feel authenticity. Mm-hmm. So we feel when someone's bringing a polished version of themselves and in some way we feel unsafe. So when we were talking initially about therapists and feeling safe in, in, in our body, that can be a red flag for us. Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't feel real, we feel it. We have a response. We will often contract. We'll often want to, in some way, distance. There's, there's, there's a lack of trust. 
Like we, we feel safe when someone says, look, this is me. This is who I am today in this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, then we don't need to walk on eggshells. We don't need to skirt around. Like we know where we stand. That's so important as a human being. I feel so safe important. when I know where I stand. Even if you're pissed off with me, tell, tell me. me. Yeah. Please tell me if I've upset you, if I've let you down. Like, because again, I'm a human being. I do. I do all of those things. And I really value it when you tell me so I can step closer. I can step back into relationship. In the absence of knowing, we make it, we go back into fantasy. Mm-hmm. Oh, it must be this. It must be this. It must be me. We'll go into our own wounds. Oh, I've said something wrong. I've done the wrong thing. I've X, Y, and Z. And in the absence of truth and connection, we will distance and isolate. And in some cases, even leave the relationship before we even stepped into it fully. And I I have a theory. I think that people create arguments and relationships out of nothing because they know there's a, la- there's a lack of truth. And if they piss someone off enough, then they'll get the truth. Yeah. So they'll just poke the bear until... Yeah, and they can attack you with it. Then. Yeah, until... Yeah. And then, then you're like, oh, I'm alive yeah. now. I feel it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, Take this. <laughs> yeah, have that. And it's like when you, how are you? I'm fine. Mm. I'm great. Yeah. But you, you just know that there's, no, you yeah. fucking pissed me off. Like, <laughs> like there's, a, yeah. there's something underneath that. And I think, like you say, we, we want the authentic expression. We want it all. Well, we, we need it in order to maintain a healthy relationship. We need it. Mm-hmm. Because without it, what do we do? We become like really creative with our feelings. So we'll, we'll be a master of being passive aggressive. Yep. You know, like and the simple things of like pretending that we can't hear our partner when they're shouting our name, you know, like little subtleties, <laughs> little jibes and snipes about things that we know will touch something in them. You know, like, and then it just becomes, it just becomes this inauthentic dance. Uh, and, and, and it's all, it's all strategy and it's yeah. and essentially at the core of it is our fear of being known because if you knew me you might leave me mm-hmm. if you knew what i thought about if you knew how i feel in this moment if you knew what i do when i'm struggling maybe you won't want me yeah if you so, knew the taboos that were in my mind if you knew the darkness that lived within yeah. me if you knew my truth in my heart you would you wouldn't honor it yeah if so you knew hide. that i am a messy human being yeah like what what would you do and 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 the reality is well we'd feel safe and relieved because mm-hmm. i feel that way too yeah and now i've got company and now now we've got a foundation to work on and that can be any type of relationship not just an intimate one but friendships mm-hmm. you know like it's just amazing to be able to create safety and then and then watch people grow Mm-hmm. Like watch relationships develop and deepen to the point where even like words are unnecessary because there's just this sense of just ease and being. I love that. Yeah, me too. I think that's been the biggest shift in my, in my life over the last 12 months. We'll be coming up 12 months since Mansfield now. Mm-hmm. It's wild that it's only 12 months. Mm-hmm. And Men Without Masks was about a year ago mm-hmm. coming up as well. So I think it was two weeks before that. Yeah. And it's that um, that group of men and friends that I've that I've built. Like I know now, I can I've got a group of friends that I could bring almost anything to without without judgment. But equally, they will 
they will call forward a better version of me mm-hmm. if it's needed. Like you, come on, you're better than that. Like I know, I know you've got more in you than that. Like a, like a, a loving, a loving directness. Mm-hmm. Like to be able to, um, to be able to call someone out with the the most authentic love. Like you're not showing up as as who you can be. Mm-hmm. I think is something powerful, and I think that's that's really what's missing in a lot of men. Yeah, honesty, isn't it, really? Mm, yeah. You know, like it's just when, when you see when someone isn't living to their potential or to their truth. Oh, their values. And you love them that, yeah. that you, you notice it, you feel it in your own body. And to then be able to name that in a way that doesn't feel shamey or blamey is mm-hmm. like, is, is incredible. Yeah. It's really empowering. But yeah, it comes back to nervous system again. I think we don't, we don't, we don't honor our nervous system in the way that I think we need to today. Mm-hmm. Like I say, our nervous system's a map of everything that's ever, ever happened to us or around us. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have words and it doesn't have story and it doesn't have logic, but it has like a, a felt sense. And like you say, we've got fight or flight. We've got, you know, fun- functional freeze state. I was in a functional freeze for a, a very long time mm-hmm. where I hadn't, the window of emotion that I had was this. Never really too sad. Never really too happy. Wouldn't belly laugh. Wouldn't cry hysterically. Mm. And that just narrows your spectrum of life. There was... Do you remember the breathwork journey we did with Martin on level four? Yep. That was probably the the moment like I felt like, boom, that... It, t- it took me a while to get there. Mm. You know, we'd had mm. a few... Yeah, the, remember when we were doing some of the early breath work I'd like a touch on tears then I'd begin laughing yeah yeah and it took me maybe three or four deep journeys to I mean actually the Mansphere one the ball them with tears that was the very first mm-hmm. journey I did but then I think after that sometimes I, I, we armor up yeah. after an initial exposure of vulnerability we yeah. we, we we like reset and rearmor and right. I think, I think then, you know, it's, it comes back again to safety and we can't push that, you know, like trauma is something that happened too fast, too much, too soon. Mm-hmm. And in order to work with it, we need to take the exact opposite approach, you know, like, so to even know and honor that when you, in a breathwork session, when you touched emotion and you touched vulnerability and then you, you flipped it to, to humor, like even just like loving that part and, and knowing that that's just that's a part of you trying to keep you safe. Yeah. That that in some way fears that this person being me might not want to receive your vulnerability or your sadness. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, like your ego kind of steps in and just pauses. Yeah. But does it in a friendly way. Yeah. To make me, me as the facilitator feel okay. Yeah. You know, like, so you, you're caring for me whilst simultaneously not, not having your own process. And again, it's like, it's safety. It's a response. To you, uh, to a degree, caretaking me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To caretaking the facilitator. Like, I'm not going to outright refuse to do this, but I'll laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'll have some reaction. Yeah, yeah. And it, and, and it's just that thing of just, wow, you know, like, it's sad then, isn't it? Because it's sad, it's sad that we would interrupt our own healing through fear that, 
that side to us is, is in some way unwanted yeah or unwelcome yeah i had um yeah it's very it's very interesting i think the first breathwork journey you did i had no expectation whatsoever i didn't even know what it was mm-hmm. we started breathing and then next minute my best friend johnny's lying next to me starts crying his eyes out and i just go the same and then the whole room went yeah but that came out of nowhere because I had no expectation. I didn't know yeah. that was coming. And then I think the preceding times, maybe I had a, an expectation linked to that. Mm-hmm. Then you get beyond yourself and you're like, I'm going to f- surrender. And so the level four, I think I'd done like maybe four or five different breathwork journeys at the time. And none of the other guys had done any breathwork to that to that level. No, correct, yeah. And I went into that room that day and I was like, I am the permission slip for everyone else. I'm going to fully surrender to this and just be. And... um that was like the first time I, f- I feel like I just, I went into it knowing mm-hmm. and surrendering and letting go. And I think it shocked a lot of the group, to be honest, because I'd, I'd been almost like a, a leader within mm-hmm. like a second facilitator. Martin, Martin would say, you're like a, it's amazing. You're like a second facilitator. But for me to let go like that and just be so vulnerable, they were like, whoa. Mm-hmm. But I know that Im- the impact that that has for other people. So I was like, right, this is a surrender and this is a letting go. This is just, being to the experience mm-hmm. but it takes time like you say you, you kind of armor up again once you you release something like whoa i really like yeah. that let me just contain that a little bit yeah and i think it, you know that's why it's important to know that it's a journey mm-hmm. you know like it, it really is i think sometimes we we want to be fixed and we want to be fixed really quickly so we might go and do a retreat or we might do you know a, a one-off session with this expectation that in some way I'm going to get there and then everything will be okay. And like how I view like the initial sessions or the initial work that we do is a little bit like an agitator. It's like shaking one of those snow domes Mm -hmm. and agitating all of the stuff that is unresolved within us. And then, and then our work really starts, you know, like then we can kind of say, right, well, like this is my struggle and I can feel this and I, and I, and I, Usually people develop the awareness first. It's like their brain needs to understand in order to feel safe. So it's like, right, ah, okay, this is why I feel like this. This is why I do these things. I'm attracted to these type of people, struggle in this way, right? I understand that. And now I now need to understand, well, how can this breath stuff help me? Mm -hmm. Or how can this embodiment stuff help? And then we need to kind of understand that in, in simple layman's terms, and then we need to feel safe enough to experience it, to be to be held by another human being. Yeah. So sometimes people will enter into a breathwork session after having we've established safety, and before they've even taken a breath, they're already activated. Mm-hmm. They're already having a release because maybe for the first time in a long time, someone is ready to hold them energetically and physically without mm-hmm. any judgment with with complete presence, you know, with, with, with love essentially, with, with none of their own stuff, with nothing expected in return. So that's, again, like that's going back to the, you know, how do I know the right person? It's, it's a feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel like in some way eventually that you could surrender yeah. in the presence, not to this person, mm-hmm. but in with. the presence of this person? Yeah. With this person sat beside you, as company, you know, like, and, and that's the thing. 
That's the beautiful thing about breath and the facilitation. It's not like I'm doing this process to you. No. It's like you actually have to get yourself into a channel of, of resonance and presence. And it forces you to do a lot of your own work mm-hmm. to be able to hold that person. For sure. I had um, an interesting exchange with, with one of the students who I'm studying with at the moment. And she was, um, she hadn't had another man facilitate a session towards mm-hmm. her. And she had a lot of um, you know, abuse in the background mm-hmm. you know, by a man to her, sexual, physical. And um, in the reflection afterwards, she was like, I spent the first 15 minutes trying not to tell you to fuck off and logging mm-hmm. off the Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I had to like, just understand that it, it wasn't me that was triggering her. And like, that's why it's so important for me to stay committed to the presence, committed to the process, make the make the process an invitation. Mm. She was like, every time you'd say something to me, it was like, you were trying to tell me what to do. Yeah. Even though it was like, even though that I know that wasn't the case, mm-hmm. which is like your presence really supported me through that. So activations, not just through the breath. It's like, you know, being in the presence of a man intimately was enough charge for her. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, what now, you know, now you, as you experience that, then you, you notice like how, how you want to respond in that moment, like mm-hmm. what that brings up for you. And mm-hmm. so when you're connected to your body while simultaneously being connected to hers energetically, you get to notice that. And and I remember um, when I initially learned about breath work through um, a great teacher called Steph Magenta, she, she described, um, like embodying a hollow bone mm. that when you're holding space at that level, it's kind of like we, 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 we have this capacity and that kind of comes down to the importance of us regularly doing our own work, receiving supervision, having our own space to release so that we can bring this, this hollow bone that can mm. hold, you know, like, and, and hold and, and, not be activated, you know, like to, to, to in that moment, maybe even notice, wow, like that feels, I feel, you know, I feel like I'm being misunderstood. I feel, I almost maybe feel like I'm being attacked, Mm -hmm. but then to not personalize it Mm -hmm. and to, and to again, stay in relationships, stay present to not contract or collapse, but just hold that Mm -hmm. space. Like that's, that is the, that's you being in the, in the, the purest, most loving service which is so healing. Yeah. Not making it about yourself. No. And I think, um, I had a real profound, I think I might have messaged you about this when I was at Joe Dispenza's event, we did a coherence healing, which was like a meditation mm-hmm. healing this individual. And so many people were just bawling in tears, f- floods of tears. Cause we were, you know, healing this individual here and just connecting to our hearts and, you know, group meditation. And I'm sitting there, I'm like just completely present, just you know, really full of love in, in my body, feeling this person. But I was like, where's the, where's the tears? <laughs> I'm like, there's no tears coming up. Yeah. What's wrong with me? Yeah. What's wrong with me? And I judged that experience because everyone else was crying and mm. I wasn't. And then upon reflection, I was like, was I present? Was I there for that person? Did I really hold them in my heart? Yes. And I, I think it just come down to the fact that I'd, I'd done so much work to that point mm-hmm that I was able to hold them in my heart without making it about me. Yeah. About making it about my own emotional reaction. 
Yeah, so you could be you could be empathic without be needing to kind of like show sympathy or feel mm. sympathy. Yeah, which is really important too. Yeah, trying to be with her at that level, but not 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 relating it to a story of yours. Not yeah. I mean that that's that's a very selfless way of then being with her, mm. giving her your presence and your energy, but not yeah, not allowing yourself to get lost in your own story. Yeah, because then you're kind of taking it away from. The, the thing, I, it really struck me. I was like quite shook by that the rest of the night. Everyone was crying their eyes out. And, but then the the second night we did another coherence on one of the women next to me, she'd done seven or eight of his events. She'd done a lot of work, breath work, journeys herself. And and I had a conversation with her and she's like, yeah, I'm just, you know, like I'm, I feel like I'm a clean channel now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm clear, I'm here, I'm present. I was like, oh, okay, like, thank, thank God. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> disconnected I'm from, not a callous bastard yeah I'm exactly yeah I, yeah I do care but yeah so Matt we're coming up to I know you've got um, a session to get to yes yeah thank you so much for I know this is like sometimes not the most comfortable domain for you mm-hmm. thank you for bringing your presence my pleasure I would love you to do more of it I really would because I think more people need to hear you and feel you Tell me a, a little bit about what you've got coming up. What have you got going on at the moment? Oh, what have I got? So I am, I'm around doing sessional work um, from now until the end of January. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the beginning of February, I'm off to Mexico with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm assisting on the, the BBTRS training there. Um, in March, I'm going to Poland doing the same. Mm-hmm. In April, I am going to Peru with Men Without Masks. And then in May, I'm going to Mykonos with, um, to facilitate or co-facilitate a part of, um, a great workshop there. Um, so yeah, I got a really busy kind of beginning of the year coming yeah. up next year. Beautiful. Um, and just looking forward to, yeah, just a bit of consistency now. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of home and, and just enjoying seeing people on a, on a regular basis. And um, quite like this time of year too. There's like, I like, I like to a little bit of hibernation, a little bit mm-hmm. of rest. Um, but yeah, so just, you know, kind of continuing doing what I love, which, you know, like often doesn't feel like work. Um, and maybe at some point hoping to do more of this, uh, thank you for, thank you for inviting me and, and, you know, supporting me into something that, you know, is an edge for me. I really, yeah. I really appreciate that. And, and equally for, for making me feel safe to, to be known in, in my own struggle around this. So I talk about that. you so much and, um, you know, I've, push so many people in your direction and and I think where you've been able to support me emotionally and support me in ways that have you know transformed my life like I don't even feel like I've felt the impact of where I'm where I'm at yet yeah it's beautiful for me to be able to give and hold space for you that you can share your gifts with more people mm. I happen to be pretty comfortable in this the other stuff I wasn't so comfortable <laughs> at but I'm, I'm comfortable in this domain <laughs> Um, where can people find more work from you, Matt? So, um, probably the best place is my website, 
um, which is mattgun.co.uk. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty naff, as you know, on Instagram. I know. So I'd I, love you to do more Instagram too. That that might be that. I'm, I'm, I'm getting three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I don't. I don't want to be one of those January people. So like maybe maybe before then. Um, it definitely feels like the right time, and, and I think like my intention behind it is to is to kind of like offer support and 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 maybe offer something to people who don't get the opportunity to work with me so mm-hmm. they they definitely it feels right so thank you again for yeah nudging yeah <laughs> When was the last post? It was like God two knows. years ago or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, I, I often find myself going, yeah, yeah. I mean, I am on Instagram, but don't, don't look at it. Cause it's. <laughs> yeah. The really- beautiful thing about like, I find Instagram now, uh, I think actually the way in which the world is, we're able to experience people before we meet them. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, web 2.0, like static websites, great, but we're finding a shift in the way in which people seek out support or services now people are actually going to social profiles and and searching things and finding content even even tiktok it's been used as a search engine now it's ridiculous like i think you've just nailed it for me there though it's just in sorry to interrupt you Mm -hmm. but it just kind of came to me instantly then which was i think my struggle with things like this and that and instagram are a fear of maybe being misunderstood or mm. bringing a less authentic me because I'm conscious of being filmed or seen or or, or or with that self-imposed pressure that I don't experience when I'm working. Yeah. And so I think that's like, that just then really jumped Sparked. out at me yeah. of like, well, that's what it is. It's like, because sometimes I feel uncomfortable in this environment. I fear that I don't bring... I don't bring the part of me that I would want. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'll have to think about that. But Matt, I understand yeah, it. Yeah, you want you, you want a yeah. more authentic transmission of yourself rather than kind of forcing yourself to create a video for the sake of creating a video. Yeah, and so I want people to feel me, the authentic me, that they would feel as if they mm-hmm. were sat face to face with me in a session. Well, this was the the entire reason that I created the podcast is that I understood that I'm that I'm more authentic in live conversation than I am in pre-recorded conversation. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at all of the coaching calls I was doing with clients versus the videos I was doing on social media. And I was like, energetically, it's different. Mm-hmm. Like my my passion, enthusiasm, energy, presence is, is far greater when I'm coaching and I'm in that sphere with people than it is when I am um, doing a selfie video. Because yeah. I'm in state. Yeah. Like I'm there for that. Like coming here, making an appointment, like I'm in state for this. And that might be the the secret for you, like creating an environment where you can authentically transmit what it Mm -hmm. is that you want to speak about. Mm -hmm. So I want authentic conversations. I don't have a lot of structure behind it. I let it it flow because I want the naturalness of the conversation. But I mean, there's going to be clips of you that are out of your control all over social media. So... (laughs) (laughs) So, <laughs> oh wow yeah. I'm in yeah there we go <laughs> any parting words just thank you you know like and it's really nice to share this with you yeah and just before like I really felt you very deeply and, and you I wanted you to stay there with me for a moment and then you and then you spoke but I really felt you then and I really I really appreciate you and 
yeah, I just want to acknowledge like how far you've come on such a steep trajectory and what a different experience it is to to be with you and be in your company. And uh, yeah, I see you and I feel you. Thank you. Thank you. You've been an instrumental piece of my journey. And anyone, anyone that is struggling with anything, I know Matt's capacity is probably pretty limited. He's probably got more clients than he can handle. But uh, I urge you just to reach out, have a conversation if you can. And um, yeah, there's been the thread throughout my my own journey the last 12 months. So thank you. Thank you.